Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. everyone this is jim jackson welcome to the forum with my co-host florence carmella how are you florence i'm doing great jim how are you i am very good you know how much i love and adore comics and how much i totally uh, respect them and appreciate them so i've been studying this guest for about a week borderline (laughs) stalking him but I, I love what this guy, his career, what an exciting, and I am already planning, I'm going above your head on this one, Florence. We need to have him on again in the future, I re- in the near future. I really like this guy's career and all that he's doing. So why don't you introduce our great guest for today? Yes, and I agree with you because I love comedians as well. And you know, we've talked about this. I've wanted to get a comedian on for a while. And this is comedian and actor, Keith Lyle who we are very excited to have today. Hi, Keith, how are you? Hey, guys, I'm good. Thanks Thanks for, for the lovely introduction. You know, I thought someone was looking over my shoulder, and uh, now that I know it's Jim, I uh, feel much... <laughs> I'm, a ni- I'm a nice stalker. But, uh, but, Keith, you have had some, and we've got to talk to you a little bit off the air, but you have had one heck of a career. And as I talked to Florence when we first started this show, I said... Florence, it's not Brad Pitt. It's not these people that are the top of the top of the A-list that are exciting. And, and those aren't the lives I want to uh, know. Those aren't the people I want to know. It's people that are really in the middle. They're in the foundation of comedy, the foundation of music and acting. Those are the ones with the real interesting lives in, in my uh, mind. And, it's, and our fans, totally the thousands of people that we've been blessed enough to listen, they, they agree too. So Keith, why don't you talk about when you were young, how you started, what was your goals when you first started, and what are your goals now? Well, it's so funny. Um, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. The first joke I ever told uh, was probably in like second grade, and it was something I overheard when I was with my dad at the track. And uh, it was, had to do um, with, with the Kentucky Derby. And the joke was, uh, I wanted to bet on a horse, itchy crotch, but it scratched. <laughs> okay, I like that one. <laughs> and I told that joke, and I still, uh, I'll tweet that joke every Kentucky Derby. I've done it for like 10 years, and I, people still laugh at it. Like, I forgot I did it the year before. Um, but when I did that in second grade, not only did I get in trouble, but I got every, everyone laughed. And from that point on, like the, the mean girls weren't mean anymore because I was a funny guy and the bullies wouldn't bully me anymore because I was a funny guy. So it kind of, I all, from that point, I kind of learned that like, all right, I'm going to try to maintain this sense of humor. And then, you know, my dad, my mom and dad um, yelled at each other every day till the day they died. Uh, and it just seemed like when they were laughing at something, whether it was television or something like that, they weren't yelling. So the goal was to always get them to laugh. Now, I never did, even in my stand-up act. Like, my dad would watch my act. He's seen it. He saw it three times. And he'd go, uh, you're getting better, but don't quit your day job. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I was in the movie The Hangover. And my, it, it's toward the end of the film. And my mom's like, uh, all right, we've, that's your scene. Um, can we go back to the casino and gamble more? Like, she just she was done with it. it just, you know, wow. they never, it totally took me <laughs> oh, for granted, but I just realized that through laughter, people would stop, the, you know, they, they get a sense of just stopping the things that are bothering them and, and get joy. There's nothing, hap- you know, like the bringing joy to people's life is really what it's about. As a matter of fact, my dad said, you know, I was like a sophomore in high school. He said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, dad, I just want to make people happy. And he said, oh, uh, good. Start with your mom and me and move out. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, wow. Uh, yeah, the, the, um, but th that was always my thing with comedy. I never pursued it. And this was like, I got a fake idea. I grew up in Chicago area, the suburbs of Chicago. And my, my friends and my cousin and I, we'd go into the city and we all had fake IDs. And while they went to like bars and nightclubs, I was going to the comedy club because that's, I liked that. And it was at the time where like stand-up comedy on TV was exploding. You had Evening at the Improv and there was all this great stand-up comedy out there. And I, I wanted to pursue it, but my mom, you know, uh, I have a Jewish guy, so I have a Jewish mom. She was always like, oh, those guys have writers. You don't have, a, 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 you aren't funny like that. You don't, you need to be a, get some friends that are writers. Then you could go be a stand-up comic. And, you know, I think in hindsight, she was trying to make sure that I didn't have this life of constant rejection and, you know, what I've learned that mm -hmm. goes into stand-up comedy. But, uh, um, like, I never thought I could do it until probably I was in my 30s and I was uh, working in the casino. Uh, I moved to Las Vegas where I live now uh, in the 90s. I wanted to pay my way through college. Uh, UNLV was extremely the most um, cost efficient school at the time and I could work my way through school as a dealer in the casino and go to school full-time and leave college with no debt, which I did. Wow. Um, but once you get out of college, you got to figure like, uh, okay, now what do I do? I was making like 40 grand a year as a dealer. Do I want to go start making 20 grand a year in PR? And so yeah. I stayed in the casino business. Um, and then when I, sometime when I'm in my early 30s, I was working at the Venetian uh, as a dealer. And I just kind of got into, the, they let you kind of have this personality back then. You could be whoever you wanted to be. And I just had this personality that it's, it's really, people think it's fun being a casino dealer. It's boring. The games are the same. The people change, but it's the same thing. They gamble, they lose. Sometimes they win, but then they lose it back. And, you know, uh, it just, it gets to be like any other job. You get bored with it, you know? So sure. the way I made it fun was I was always joking around, always screwing around. And uh, I took that. And when Second City had a show here in Vegas, they also had an improv training center. So I started with some of those classes. And one time, uh, a bunch of the guys in the, in the show, in the Second City show that was at the Flamingo, they had an agent. And I met the agent, and the agent said, hey, I'm looking for someone who knows how to uh, deal casino games just to have on my roster. Uh, I went and got a headshot, and I had the, the training. And from there, my second audition was for a role in The Hangover, which I got, which is a four-line role as the wow. dealer in the movie. So. I was like, whoa. And I still um, wanted to do stand-up, but I was afraid. And uh, my wife made me go to, uh, went with me to open my, a couple open mics. And we saw what other people were doing and they were terrible. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, I, I could do that. And I started <laughs> from there. And then we started filming The Hangover. And I spent some time talking to Zach Galifianakis about comedy. And about a year after that, I got, um, I was a stand-in for Jonah Hill in uh, Get Him to the Greek. So I got oh, to spend yeah. seven days on that set and got yeah. to speak with Russell Brand about stand-up comedy. And, you know, they both said the same thing, get on stage as much as possible. And at that point, I was already trying to do stand-up, but I had these credits, you know what I mean? Like I was, I'm, you know, I, my, my friend Don Barnhart's been in the business for 35 years and I have four lines in a movie and he doesn't, which is a tragedy because <laughs> yeah. he's brilliant, you know? And there's so many guys that are out there on the circuit that are trying so hard I mean, there are guys out that are out there that are in their 50s and 60s now that have been doing stand-up comedy for 30 years, but because of their age, Comedy Central won't see them, and or or um, they won't get booked on on a uh, late night TV show. And they're funnier than almost anyone you'll see out there. Yeah, and that's the shame. But that's that may that's be where I'm at because I'm in my late 40s and I may never get another shot. But that's fine because you know I, I I'm very fortunate to. Uh, to be able to get up and, and uh, tell my funny stories and jokes and make people laugh. And I uh, get to act in plays and stuff from time to time and keep that, that thing going. Uh, I'm very fortunate. So I think, I think things have changed though, and you're still in your prime. And I think you could really, uh, hopefully this show will give a tiny uh, outlet <laughs> to people to, to allow people to see your talents. Now, before we get on to, we got about, I've got literally about 80 questions here. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, <laughs> Blackjack. 
Now okay. I've seen, I talked to you uh, a little bit as we talked, I saw NBA players, the, the amount they have lost is of legend. I mean, I've read yes. worth three, four, five million dollars. Even Junior Seau, the Chargers, they were showing in his ESPN special how much he had lost not too long before he had passed away because he was just changing so much mentally. You have to have some stories. I've, I've told my Charles Bronson story where I looked over yep. and I'm just like, wow, that's Charles Bronson yeah. <laughs> playing blackjack. You've got to have some crazy stories, celebrities. Tell us what you know. Tell us a little yeah, dirt and, and, and the, uh, the good is... and the bad and the ugly. <laughs> Who's good? Who's deep? Things like that. <laughs> I could tell you everything because I don't work in the casino business anymore. And um, my stories are all are all factual to me. So if anyone, uh, any famous person or has a problem with it, they could come see me and we could talk about it because they know it's true. One of the, f I remember one of the first stories uh, I came home with was Heidi Fleiss, the, the Hollywood man. Oh, wow. I was, wow. Working at the I was working at the Venetian and um, she's had a lot of, this was probably 2004 or five and she'd have a, a lot of surgery done. And uh, I remember coming home and telling my wife, like, uh, Heidi Fleiss was on the table today. And she was like, oh, that hooker girl. And I'm like, listen, she couldn't have been nicer. She tipped us like crazy. She ended up winning. She was an absolute sweetheart. And she's like, you're saying that that woman was nice? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't care what she did. She got busted for tax evasion. You know, the, she kept her black book quiet, which I respect. And yep. she tipped really well. So she's good to me, I, you know. Uh, I have no problem with that. Like Kevin Federline was a great tipper when he was with Brittany. Mm. Oh, Brittany's yeah. husband, ex-husband. Brittany's ex-husband. Yeah, he was a great guy when he was with her. You know, I, I don't know how he is now because we haven't seen him because, uh, you know, I'm sure he's busy. Uh, but he was great. One time <laughs> I had, I looked up on my craps game and there was Michael Phelps. Oh, wow. And he was real quiet. Wow. He wasn't tipping. And I think this was before he went through his transformation. So he was mm. somewhat, somewhat rude. Um, the one guy that no one ever wanted to deal to was a poker player named Phil Ivey. Oh, really? Oh, I'm a huge so, poker guy. So Phil? So first. Well, let me tell you something about poker players. Almost all of them are uh, stiff as a thousand. Uh, are we allowed to swear here? A little. Penises, uh, we'll call it. Okay, <laughs> stiff as a thousand penises. Most of the poker players. Now, Ivey... Uh, wasn't necessarily stiff. Like if he won $2 million, he'd give you three grand. If he oh. won $10 million, he'll give you three grand. The problem with he is he doesn't like the, like if there are rules, he wants to break them. So the dice are supposed to hit the back wall. He's not going to, he's not going to do it, but he has a $10,000. He has uh, $10,000 with full odds uh, and, and pass line and combat. So he's got at any time, you know, hundreds a couple hundred thousand on the table so they're gonna let him do what he wants you know he'll throw the dice extra high and you're not supposed to and you can't tell him not to because he'll yell at you and if he loses if he has a bunch of losers in a row he leaves a lot of money on the table he gets mad at you as, as a, oh wow like, i didn't do it you rolled the dice dude i can't control the dice and i think a lot of it with poker players a couple of things and uh, this is true, like with um, like Michael Jordan, who's a um, who as a Chicago guy I adore, but as a gambler, king of the gamblers, yeah, yeah, he's a total stiff. Oh total gosh, stiff. oh total my stiff. gosh, you're breaking um, my heart here. Uh, yeah, what I know. about well, the thing? What, it's weird <laughs> as, as, as someone who works in a, in a tip business. If you work in a tip business, like even uh, like as a waiter, like they say that um, I had heard that uh, Helen Hunt was real stiff. And wow. she played like a waitress in a couple of movies. And you think like, wow, she would know better. At the same time, someone like Drew Carey is super great tipper. They, in, in the casino, we call him George's. So wow. he's a super George. So when he goes to a restaurant, he's got like busboys giving him water because he'll just give him $5 and he's a great tipper. And you, you look at people differently. It's, it's hard for me to go like, oh, Michael Jordan, I love him, but I hate him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it's difficult. Yeah. But with, with, with gamblers, if you're a true degenerate gambler, anything you tip is money you aren't gambling. So wow. I think there's some of that, especially with Jordan, because he really does like to gamble. Now, um, two other of my favorites are Mike Matisau and uh, Negrano. Are, tell me there. Negrano is bad. He's okay. Okay. But, um, there's this oh. guy, Barry Greenstein. You're killing Jim. You're killing Jim. Yeah. This guy, Barry Greenstein, who I guess would donate oh. all his poker winnings to charity, 
Yeah. He, he was playing the don't pass, which means you're betting against the table and the dice. So everyone at the table couldn't stand him. And he ended up winning about 200000 and uh, left us nothing. He did tip the cocktail wow. waitress a $25 chip and did stare down her low-cut thing to try to get a good look at the big face. <laughs> so he did give her some money. But I was like, this guy? I mean, really? Uh, wow. and, oh, and then there was uh, Cloutier. I don't know that. TJ Cloutier. He, uh, he's like some old poker player. I wrote a book, and it was like the first poker book. Uh-huh. Uh, he's regarded as one of the best poker players at any given time. And he is one of the worst craps players ever in the history of craps. <laughs> Dealt to him probably five or 600 times, and he never left the table with money. Ever. Wow. They say he's a great poker player, won bracelets, all these things. <laughs> never left. Now, like J-Lo, J-Lo is terrible. I saw her one time walk into um, a salon, uh, which, is, which isn't private gaming. It's just a little more secluded. It's typically considered the high-end gambling rooms. Uh-huh. Um, she uh, sat there with her husband at the time, Mark Anthony, and they had no limit on their table. They could gamble as much as they want or as little as they want. They played $5 a hand blackjack. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. The around like crazy <laughs> and left like no money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh my was God. I the story about Tiger Woods. Uh, Cause he won the masters a couple weeks ago. He, sure. Um, we ran him down the street. He uh, during his heyday, during his the, the tiger hunting days, as they were called. Yeah, uh, he stayed for about a week's uh, a week, and uh, girls running in and out of his suite. And um, I asked the butler, "Hey, man, what did he leave you?" Because I figured, you know, this guy, he, he's in a. T- I mean, when you golf, you tip the caddy. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't always bring his caddy when he's out at a course playing with like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? You tip the caddy. He doesn't care sure. bags. So yep. this guy would know better. So I said to the hey, what did he leave you? And he says, you know what he left me? Four pubes on the pillow. That's what he left me. <laughs> oh, my go, God. Oh, my God. What a ge- oh, goes, my I was God. lucky I got that. I like, oh, my God. Wow. We kept his secret for years. Now, Ben Affleck, who's a, one of the greatest Georges of all time in Vegas history, like you, he pulls up in his car, valet guy, 200. Off wow. The no matter what. So there was a time about three or four years ago, he had come into the Venetian and he was walking around and he had to walk by our dealer break room to get just about anywhere. In the Venetian, they do have private gaming. You have to have a certain amount of money as a line of credit and bet a certain amount per hand. And so they were taking him through the back way up the escalator to the 30, up the elevator to the 35th floor private gaming weird. And then the next day I see him, but he was sure. such a good tipper. Like this guy, he'd lose you know, maybe uh, 120,000 and he'd still tip us like 30 grand. Wow. So now wow. you got to see that with the, the 600 dealers that work that day. But I mean, that's still a significant amount of money. And for someone like that, if anyone would have said that he was at the Venetian, if anyone would have ratted him out, we would have thrown him off the top floor of the parking garage to their de- imminent death because that guy is paying your mortgage this month. <laughs> yeah, that guy. And see, that's the way my father always said, say what you will when the gangsters were running vegas it was a lot better (laughs) because he said the food was good and also they tipped good but you had to keep your mouth shut kind of like what you said and i was a caddy at silverado country club in napa which used to be on the tour and i could tell you horror stories i'm not going to call them out because i still see them once in a while but professional golfers worst tippers in the history of the world yeah we, we've had it we've had a few <laughs> we've had a few yeah. that now did and you like, see did you see some of tiger's uh friends let's say uh when when all this was going on i mean did I you guys... but i had heard many a story also at the venetian we have a, a, a nightclub called tau and tau nightclub it would close probably five or six in the morning and then um There'd be several people. I mean, who knows what was going on? Maybe they were just partying, having fun, and the adrenaline kept them awake. But when I would come into work at 10 in the morning, there'd still be a lot of people and some Tao people uh, still in their evening garb, you know, um, like hosts and doormen and such, um, hanging out with some famous people and partying and and whatever. And uh, they would say, hey, I was last night. And they were cool. Oh, Tiger was in and uh, the, the, and bottles and two two blondes and da 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 so for a while there if you met a blonde blonde in, in a nightclub you could pretty much rest assured the tiger had his way with him 
Wow. Well, that was just our feeling. I don't know if that was true or not. That was just our feeling. Like, eat. Well, yeah. just just for all our fans, Florence is the one that wanted Keith on. I didn't. So <laughs> no, I no. Hey, I think Keith is wonderful. He's talented. I look. I have no issue with this at all. I think this is great. Keith, Thank I'm you. tangling I don't fault with anyone. This story. Like, hey, Tiger. Uh, the only problem was he was married, right? Same thing with A Rod. Derek sure. Jeter. He could go out and he was sowing his wild oats like nobody's business, but no one cared because he wasn't married. Yeah, exactly. So that's the difference. And I've seen, uh, I've seen a Rod uh, in in um, in casinos, and he was by himself or with his wife. Um, you know, I, I don't fault people. Like that was the other thing when I moved to Vegas, and you start hanging out and seeing things, you really stop judging, and just even regular sure. people, because people come to Vegas and do things that they wouldn't normally do. That's why they come here. They smoke, yeah. they drink, they gamble. These are things they wouldn't normally do. Um, That's why they say whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, yeah. People would come with their wives a few times, and then they'd come with their girlfriends a few times, and they come with their girlfriends, and then their wives, and their wives had boyfriends too. And they had these. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's crazy. What a porn award. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my After a God. couple of days, it's like a girl's gone. You know, if you watch one of those Girls Gone Wild videos, they're fun for about 15 minutes. And then, <laughs> you know, you see a girl with large breasts and you go, oh, I wonder what's going to happen now. Look, boobs, you get desensitized. You just don't care anymore. During the porn awards, it was the same thing. You see all these, you know, scantily clad, skanky women walking by. You're like, what is this? But for every one of those, there's like seven creepers walking behind them. Oh sure! Oh and man! That gets scary. And then the amateurs who want to be in porn, they get they go over the top. Oh yeah! And that becomes an issue, and it becomes a, a complete melee because the porn stars, you know, they just they're just trying to make a living. Oh sure! And <laughs> the other much, people, they're trying to get laid. <laughs> I know, and but let now we're going to save some of those other stories for the next okay. time you come on. But wow, that is fantastic! Um, beautiful stuff. I love it. Uh, now let's talk about. Another thing that I've received some DMs about is your appearance on The Hangover. Yes. Uh, one of the most popular movies in the last 20 years. Yeah. Hugely popular, monster hit in the box office. And even on TV, if you see the ratings for it, sky high. People love that movie. How did you get on it? Because I'm interested as an, with you as an actor. How do you get on it? Does, is it purely your agent that gets you on? Do you Pure luck. Them how, or is it luck? A little of both. I, like I said, this was, um, I had just gotten an agent and um, the agent, this was the second audition uh, and I had to videotape it myself and send it in. Uh, we videotaped and I happened to have a shoe uh, with cards in it. And um, I didn't know anything about the production, knew very little about the director, Todd Phillips, except he directed a couple other things, but he was looking for a real Vegas deal, right? Someone to bring authenticity to this farce film. So when I was filming it myself, I said, well, this is how we deal out of the shoot. Um, you may see some dealers pitch, you know, like in a double deck, but those games are few and far between anymore. We always, almost always deal out of the shoe and this is how we do it. And this is how we pay bets. And this is how we do this, that, the other and sent it in. And I got a callback and at the callback, it was me, uh, an older lady and like, um, a, like a model type because they have those type of like d- dancing dealers now that are like models. And I, I was the first person they called in, and um, I, I, the, the first question he asked me, the director said, he said, are you a real dealer, or are you like some poker dealer trying to BS me? And I said, well, if I didn't call in sick today to take this meeting, I'd be over in Pit 8, Blackjack 49, dealing a $15 Blackjack game. <laughs> Is that enough? <laughs> yeah, and he goes, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Show me what you got. So I dealt to him and he says, what do you, what, what would you do if you thought someone was counting cards on the table? I said, well, counting cards isn't a crime, but it's something that, you know, we don't really like. So what you do is you got to move your, jerk your head real quick, like in, in one direction or another. So you're trying to look at the supervisor to get his attention and then he'll come over, take a look or call the eye or something like that. And he says, oh, he'll call the eye. And I go, yeah, you know, uh, depending on where you're filming, you could probably shoot out of the eye straight down because they have video of that. He goes, oh, what a great idea. We could shoot right off his look to, to, the, uh, to the supervisor, right off the eye, da 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 da, da. And he looked at the uh, first assistant director and the and casting director and said, I think this is our guy. We don't have to see the other people. 
Oh, went, fantastic. Okay. And he goes, I want you to go ahead and send him down to wardrobe, yada, yada. I went, okay, great, thanks. And that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. and I didn't know, you didn't know what this movie was. I had like 10 pages, maybe less than that, like six pages of the script called Sides. So you can't, you don't know what's going on in the film. You have no idea what's going on. So, you know, I did my, I was just playing it straight like a dealer would. Um, we, that was it. We get to filming and um, everyone was super nice. Bradley Cooper couldn't have been nicer. All the, everyone was great. I uh, love him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I got a good Bradley Cooper story too. And it was just a, a wonderful experience. It was the lights were hot. They filmed at the, at the Riviera when it was still there and they filmed the casino was still live. So when we started, there was a guy yelling on the roulette wheel, yelling 17, 17, in a drunken stupor through the whole thing. You know? <laughs> and finally, uh, like the first assistant director said, um, what do I got to do to get you to either not yell or leave? How much do I have to give you? And he went right into his pocket and gave him money to get him out of there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the guy probably just wanted to be in the movie. You know what I mean? Because you could see all the cameras and everything. You know, he, he probably just wanted to be in the film. They're like, no, get out. And, uh, yeah. So that was that story. Now, um, during the filming, I was asking, like, hey, uh, Zach, why do you have a black guy? And he's like, Mike Tyson punched me. I'm like, Mike Tyson punched you? He goes, it's a long story. Like, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. It was really? Mike Tyson hit him? Yeah, well, that's in the movie. Yeah, so so he uh, he physically hit him. It's not a fake no, punch. No, yeah, he, he he missed him, but in the in the film, it looks like he hit him. Oh, okay, so yeah. That's such a funny like, scene. How do we get to this scene? Like, I wanted to know the backs. Like, how do we get to the scene? What am I? Because I don't know. Why are you? Why do you have to win this money? So they explained it to me. So uh, I was like, oh, okay. And then I kind of, you know, what, my lines are like splitting fives. I would, you know, oh, okay. There was. I had one more line that I was uh, that they cut out. Um, I was saying, I was saying it to Heather Graham, uh, miss, you have a, you have a 15, the dealer's showing six, the book says you should stick and she hits anyway. And she ends up getting 21 and I bust out. She mm. took my card that would have given me 21 or she hit, ends up getting 20 and she took my card, which would have given me 21. And we, you know, but they cut that sure. part out. So oh. We're coming on the 10-year anniversary of that film, too. That's right. Did yeah. you, now you don't have to tell me how much you made, but did so they pay fairly well to it? Um, I got four days. It was four days. It was three of the days were like 12 or 13-hour days, and the fourth day was eight hours. I ended up like making, I want to say, close to seven grand for that. But oh, the cool. residual, oh. the residuals, like the first year in residuals, I made like, because I was in, I had four or five lines um, that goes on, on shares. You get like two fifths share for each line and day that you work. So wow. I had four lines in four days. So I get like a, either a full share. I don't know what I, whatever it is. I made like 14 grand the first year. What? Wow. Are you That's kidding? nice for four days of work. <laughs> yeah. And I still get it. I still get checks from time to time. They're not a lot. I think I got like 3000 last year. I, I can't remember. That's still but, pretty cool. It's, it's that is um, for for something I did ten years ago. It's fantastic. Yeah. So that wow. There's a lo- gosh. I don't even want to know what the stars make. Gosh, that's a lot. No wonder they're well. They, they didn't make a lot in the beginning. They the most they could get is fifteen shares of the residual. Mm-hmm. In the first film, they, none of them were really known. Bradley Cooper was known a little bit because he was on Alias, but the, none of them were what they were. Yeah. The second film they cashed in because I think they each got three percent of gross dollar one versus 15 million wow and it ended up grossing more it ended up worldwide like over 500 million yeah it's the director uh todd phillips who's a great guy he has ownership rights in it so like they put out a slot machine a couple years ago and he gets like 11 percent of the of the rights so they paid something for it as a matter of fact when that machine came out i think i got a a residual check for like five grand or something Oh, wow. Well, I'm so they use, glad. They use parts of the movie. Every time that the movie airs, they, they, um, they throw a little in a pool. And any time like, they use it for like um, a video game or something, money gets in a pool. And so like the slot machine, money got put in a pool and we all split it. Yeah, I think it was a month ago. I forget Paramount or someone did a, it was a 24-hour hangover where they did both movies. Uh, oh, yeah. And they just kept doing it. So you're going, God, this is great. You know, like, yeah, well, <laughs> with each run, you get paid less and less. Oh, oh I and see. then you get foreign fee. I, I got, uh, I just got a check from Switzerland for 12 bucks. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Cheapskate Switzerland. Uh, hey, but, listen, uh, yeah. <laughs> went out and got a 12-pack, so thank you. Well, uh, well nice. I'm so glad. Florence has a quick, uh, another, uh, another question, Bob. So glad that the cast, because at least from a fan's point of view, they seem very cool and very likable. The best. And, uh, and I do yeah. have yeah. so quick, glad. A quick, I, I tend to yeah. talk too much, but I have a quick Bradley Cooper story. Fast forward sure. seven years later. Seven years later, I'm working on a film called War Dogs. They're in Vegas for two days, and I'm a stand-in for Jonah Hill, again, like I was for Get Him to the Greek. Bradley Cooper nice. walks by and says, uh, hi, I'm Bradley. And I said, uh, I'm Keith. It's nice to, nice to see you. And he goes, I know you, right? So he recognized me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, I know who he is. And I go, sure. yeah, I was the dealer in The Hangover, yada, yada. It's the same director as The Hangover. He recognized me right away. So some of the, a lot of people kind of remembered that, uh, but he recognized me and, oh, Keith, how you doing? Good. Uh, hey, you going to be here tomorrow, he says. And I go, yeah. And he goes, uh, oh, good. We'll catch up tomorrow. I, I got to leave right now. I went, okay. The next day he came over, talked to me for like 20 minutes. Hey, how you been since the hangover? I'm like, well, not as good as you, but uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> but the fact that he remembered, came over the next day and spent some time with me, I thought, that, well, that was really, he didn't have to do that. And that was really nice. I've heard that he is a really, really nice guy in real life. So I'm kind of not surprised at that story because I have heard things like that from other people in interviews saying that he's just a really nice person. Yeah, he, so. he was he was really nice. And he I mean, when he was when we were on the hangover and he was nobody, he was just a sweetheart. He was, we spent a lot of time talking. We had a lot of downtime, so we all spent a lot of time talking. And they were exhausted. They'd been filming all day out in the heat, you know, and they were just really, really that was a and, and even the hairdresser, uh, the, my hairdresser, um, she had to spray in my hair, which was really demeaning. She was saying the last, she had worked on um, Dreamgirls, and she said that set was a little tense. Uh, but she said, oh, uh, I, I can imagine. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was going through a divorce, and Beyonce was screaming because Jennifer Hudson had the better song. And so, yeah, um, yep. She was saying that um, you will, ne- I will never be on a better set a more relaxed set than the one than the hangover and you know if you got to be in the like that's my first thing i ever did this great movie the top selling r-rated comedy of all time you know the most relaxed set ever and you know it's the peak i've peaked it's like peaking in junior high (laughs) yeah no definitely i i want to say I want to say that The Hangover is a great movie. I thought it was hysterical. And definitely Mike Tyson's scene where he was singing and then punches the guy is hysterical. But I do want to change direction a little bit because I know that you have done tours overseas for for the troops. You've done five tours, I believe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Well, I've been uh, very fortunate. Uh, Early in my career, I was able to um, make friends with a man named Don Barnhart and... uh, He's kind of mentored me, and he has been doing overseas tours since the early late '80s, early '90s. And uh, I wanted, you know, he asked if I'd want to go overseas. Uh, I think the first one was to Kuwait, and um, um, you know, did a, a week in Kuwait. It was very difficult, um, but I did it, and it was great. It's a great experience. I I was not raised in a military family. Uh, my mom was more of a peacenik in the '60s, marching against wars. And my dad, like. <laughs> there's no way he was going to Vietnam. So uh, <laughs> I just didn't have the military background in my family. It just wasn't my thing. And then, you know, having gone through, this was, you know, maybe six years ago. So um, seeing the guys and, you know, we all say I support the troops, but you know, how many places, you know, stores or restaurants you go to that say I support the troops and you go, okay, do you have a military discount? And they go, no. Like, okay, so you no. don't support the troops. You say you support the yeah. troops, but you don't. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to put my money where my mouth is. And it, I was working in the casino at the time, and it was difficult to get time off because it was like two, three weeks at a time. And my casino manager would be like, well, if I give you two or three weeks off, I have to give everyone two or three weeks off. And I go, well, when they book an overseas trip to entertain the troops for Armed Forces Entertainment, I will work their shift. Yeah. Until then, like, Very you know. Good. So, yeah. So, um, and it, the experiences are always great. I've been, uh, I was in Afghanistan, I've been to uh, Kyrgyzstan, like all these insane places around the world, um, just trying to make people laugh, especially the guys who keep us protected. And it's really, um, the best I've ever felt is doing these tours 
because it's, you're doing it for the right reasons. It's completely pure. You don't make, there's, there's no pay involved. They give you, uh, they cover your airfare. They give you a, a small per diem for food and stuff. If you're not on base to eat, sometimes you got to eat on base. Um, just to, you know, just a small per diem. And that's it. You're just there to make people laugh, to make their day better, to let them know that we're still thinking about them here sure. in, in America. And uh, so many times they come back over, we become Facebook friends. We stay Facebook or Twitter or Instagram friends. And um, they're, uh, you know, I try to make it so that if they come to my shows, I try to always put them on my guest list because that's just, you know, if oh, you've served really in the military and you've seen me overseas, that's great. I'm putting you. I, I'm putting you on the guest. You shouldn't have to pay for a ticket. That's just me. That's and if I was a stripper, I'd give you a free lap dance, but that would be disgusting. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's really uh, my. I come from a military family. I I was never in the military, but many of my relatives were. My grandfather starting in World War II, and uh, my uh, cousin just came back not too long ago from Afghanistan. So we appreciate all that you've done for the troops, and that's an amazing thing. Scary places yeah. to be. It's definitely not the Shangri-La. It's, it's yeah, yeah. My my brother-in-law was over there. My wife's brother was over there in Iraq. And uh, yeah, you know, you, you're at a base in like Afghanistan. You kind of hear bombs going off and just kind of looking at everyone. And they all have their guns with them just in case something pops off. So you're doing shows yep. with people. They have their guns on them. <laughs> and uh, you hear bombs going off. You go, uh, hey, uh, you guys going to like do something? Or <laughs> And they go, uh, no, it's still far enough off. We don't have to worry about it yet. We'll let you know when you have to go <laughs> into the bomb show. Wow. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and then we wonder why they come back so <laughs> distressed. I mean, boy, that is pressure. Amazing. Now, talking, talking about a different kind of pressure, talk about uh, the last thing before we get to your tour dates. What Talk about your uh, career in stand-up comedy. Okay. Uh, when did you really think that that it was something that you wanted to do permanently and talk about your career now. How is it? Talk about when you bombed, talk about when you did fantastic, <laughs> talk about the feelings that you went through, because I think a comic's life is just fascinating to me. It's, it's a roller coaster of emotions. Why don't you talk about that a little sure. bit? Um, there's with me, there's no talking a little, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we love it. <laughs> the, uh, no, this is great. <laughs> when, um, I think uh, I've never said I'm going to do this permanently because to me, every probably once a week I, I say to myself, "What the heck am I doing with stand-up comedy? What am I crazy? I'm the guy that's going to be a stand-up comic. Are you not?" So there's always that self-doubt and lack of confidence. But when you go on stage, you can't be. You have to be confident. You you could be funny, but no one's going to laugh at you if you're not confident. And that's what it's all about. There are a lot of comedians that I don't find funny. But they do well because they're confident. They sell yep. the jokes. They just stand there and go, you're going to laugh at me because I think this is funny. And there are people out there that, that do that, and they're great. And I never, I never fault anyone. People like to, you know, like uh, crap on Dane Cook or Carrot Top or whoever. Hey, listen, they're making a living. They found their audience. Their audience found them. Good for them. Yep. I'm just trying to find my audience that, that I like, that thinks my stuff's funny, that, you know, that, that's all. And all I want to do is, is make you laugh. So um, it, it, it's just you write and you do a joke and then you listen to it. You, you have to do it in front of people. So and then you hear the response and then you go, all right, how can I use less words? Because it's, the economy of words helps. Because the more you talk, the easier it is to lose people between the setup and the punchline. And that's the real science in comedy. Keeping it brief. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's very I hard for me. I was laughing because last night <laughs> I, I watched a comedy show. It was about one in the morning. I, I, I just couldn't sleep. I got up and I, I would get lost in this one comics. Uh, and I'm not going to say the name. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But it, they would tell these jokes and they were like, they were like war and peace. I felt I was listening yeah. to an old uh, Andy Kaufman routine where I'm just yeah. going, is, am I a part of the joke? Uh, Cause boy, it's, and, and you know, it's those one liners that really get you like a Rodney Dangerfield or right. someone like and that. It, yeah. and when you're doing one liners, there's, you know, that's, I tend to be, you know, like one line set up, maybe two and then punchline, punchline, tag, tag, you know, that's how ideally, uh, what works best for me. 
Um, I don't always do that, but that's what works best for me. Uh, but to be like just a one-liner comic, like in the old days, like um, in the 50s and 60s, like you'd see on the Ed Sullivan show, um, that's really hard to do to maintain that kind of pace for like a half hour, 45 minutes. That's why it's oh, so amazing yeah. guys like Rodney Dangerfield could do it because it's when you're doing, or Phyllis Diller, when you're doing eight jokes a minute or, or Joan Rivers, when you're rattling them off that fast, it's that much more material that you have to know. Yeah. And you really have to have, if you're going to do a half hour, you better have 45 minutes of material because mm-hmm. once you start and the audience is laughing at some material and not others, you know, if they aren't laughing at the political stuff, they aren't going to laugh. If they aren't laughing at the sexual stuff or the dirty stuff, you know, you like, you have to know where to go. You have to be able to read the audience. Yeah. And, you know, so you got to have a little bit, some people, you know, you don't know each, you could be in, in the South and there's certain things, you know, you, racial material they may like, they may not like. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> I like to make fun of racism, but people get confused and call it racist. No, yeah. it's making fun of racism, and people just get uncomfortable in different audiences. Older audiences definitely um, they'll hear sex jokes. They like sex jokes, but they don't want to hear certain vernacular. So you got to use your words right. Yeah, you know, south of the border works a lot better than being extremely specific and yeah. vulgar. In, mm-hmm. in a lot of crowds. Now, there are comics that can only, that can, can work dirty, only work dirty and vulgar, and they're great, you know, like Dice Clay. Yeah. Or, you know, there's an yeah. old guy named John yeah. Fox who was fantastic. Uh, um, but you know that when you walk in that that's what you're going to see. Um, mm-hmm. I usually open shows or I'm a middle act. So for me, uh, I try to steer clear of anything that would turn someone off I, I i work on the edges a little bit but nothing i, I don't really use profanity i don't use any swear words mm-hmm. but i do talk about sexual content sure i've seen my parents having sex i'll never go to that website again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like some of your you, you got to put up more videos because i really I do i got to change I, them around i was going to say my you website, got to because to i really like i really like your delivery and some of your stuff it, it was just really funny now who are some of the comics that you you when you were younger uh or even now that you really looked up to that you thought wow these guys are just the best well um I rem- I, I'm a fan of like older of, of like, I remember growing up and watching like Jackie Gleason on the honeymooners or Laurel and Hardy sure. and, and, and really enjoying it. And you know, Jack Benny, old Jack Benny shows and, and things like that. So that was early on. I'd watch that with my parents and that would make them laugh. And I go, Oh, I love that. So uh, and I remember um, we only had one TV in our apartment and I would keep, when Johnny Carson was on, I'd kind of peek out of the room, my room a little bit and watch Johnny do his monologue and yeah. um, watch the comics on there. Like I remember when Roseanne Barr's first time she was on there and how she destroyed like, and Drew Carey. The, first, the funniest I've ever seen, funniest thing I ever saw was Drew Carey the first time he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. If you go online and watch it, it is yeah, I got the tapes of a, of the original, and Johnny asked him to come on. He didn't. He, he yeah. kind of was was like, and that was the big thing. If Johnny asked you to mm-hmm. come sit with him, you made it. I mean, you were a yes. star, and yeah. Johnny was so gracious to so many of the comics because there was a lot of them that that were on there. But I I actually watched the Drew Carey segment probably a month ago. I got the tape yeah. series from Johnny Carson, and mm-hmm. I'm like you. I'm an old soul. I love Laura. I love Charlie Chaplin. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I love uh, all of these uh, great people from from the past because they're just so good. Jackie Gleason still makes me, and I like oh. Kevin James kind of because of my love for Jackie Gleason. I don't think Kevin James is a great stand-up guy, but just in movies and stuff, he's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a great likability and great character. I like Chris Farley. King of Queens. Yeah, Chris King Farley. Of yeah, I yeah. love King of Queens. Chris Farley really made me laugh. And uh, it's just these some of these people, just simple stuff that you look at life. It, it's just amazing. Uh, some of the mainstream guys, I have to be honest with you, I don't think they're, they don't make me laugh. But it's kind of that simple life, like Laurel and Hardy, just simple stuff or the, or the Marx Brothers. Some, it's yeah. just, they do something to you. It just makes you laugh. Yeah, so. Three Stooges. I was a big Three Stooges kid growing up. And my mom just thought, like, why is this kid like this type of, you know, and I would repeat, I remember the first album 
comedy album I ever really got and remember word for word was Billy Crystal's You Look Marvelous, which is a weird album to, from it's weird for a comic to say that because most of them would be like, people would be like, oh, Carlin, Class Clowns, or, or yeah. um, which is great, or um, a Cheech and Chong, you know, yeah. Dave's not here, you know, like something like that. But that was the one, and to this day, I probably still could recite a lot of it. Um, I just loved it. I just thought it was funny, and it wasn't really dirty. It was just, I, I just, I enjoyed it. And that was, that was early on. Uh, Joan Rivers, I liked because um, when, when she hosted the Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, now that I've been in the business a little bit, um, I've been able to meet a lot of people. I've been able to uh, meet George Wallace, who's fantastically Oh, funny. wow. Great, yeah. great person. He's uh, my, my mentor, Don Barnhart. I get to work with him a lot, who's probably the funniest. I've, I've, I've worked with Don probably 1,200 times, and I've never seen him bomb. Wow. Shout out to Don. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty he's, amazing. He's amazing. So, and he's been good enough to help uh, tutor me. So um, he's, he's had a great influence on my life. There, there's just, there's a, a lot of guys that are, are really nice and that will um, help you and write you, you know, help you with a joke here or there. And I've been very fortunate for that, with that. Well, we, we are going to have you on in the near future, in the next month or two, because there's other, a lot of other <laughs> questions I have for you, and I'm not even halfway down my list yet. So I think you're fascinating, uh, and I just... Yeah, this is great. We have been really looking forward to this show, and we can't wait to promote this. Again, we may lose 40,000 followers, but we're going to do it because we, <laughs> we want a couple laughs out of this. <laughs> And uh, we're not lying. We're not telling stories out of tale, uh, out of school. But I think this is going to be a great uh, way Thank to you. get to promote you as well. Now, yeah. what, what I'm not are... trying to have you lose people. I'm just telling the truth. I'm sorry. Don't meet your heroes. What can I tell you? That's right. I've, I've learned the hard way. Boy, I tell you. But, but... No, this was great. This was great. Now, you, why don't you talk about some of the things you're, you're working on now and some of the, the uh, places that you'll be working. You have some uh, fun, exciting things in Vegas going on. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, the first thing uh, I like to talk about is uh, my friend Don Barnhart. He has a new show. He's also a certified hypnotist, and he has a comedy hip, hypnosis show that's going to run from, on, from Wednesdays through Sundays uh, at 7 p.m. at the Downtown Grand Hotel. Uh, in downtown Las Vegas and I'll be on the one of the regulars that opened the show for him Um, so I'm there uh, I'll be there quite a bit I'll be there starting uh, Wednesday the 15th is my first week there and I'll be rotating in and out Um, I do a lot of work at a place called Jokesters Comedy Club I was the house MC there uh, for a year or so and then I uh, went on the road and I couldn't keep (laughs) I couldn't stay there I had to go on the road Uh, so you see me there that's at the D Hotel at 1030 uh, every night. So uh, you find me there quite often. Uh, I also do improv. I do um, short form improv with a group called comedy sports. And there's probably a comedy sports in uh, your town, you that is listening. Uh, but we just got one in Vegas a year ago. Uh, there's I think 32 comedy sports across the country. And uh, I performed, I'll be there uh, on Sunday. So I, I'm there every, uh, at least once or twice a month. They do shows Sunday at one. Uh, so yeah, I keep busy. I got a play coming up that I'm working on. That's going to be in the fringe festival here in Vegas. So, uh, yeah, I keep busy. That's fantastic. I followed all those things as we're talking. So, um, I'm looking forward to Don. We're going to promoting, promoting some of his stuff. Uh, I think that what's so refreshing Keith is that we've heard so many bad stories about comics and so many things, tragedies, obviously Robin Williams had a lot of stuff going on at the end of his life. Just a dear guy who loved, loved everyone. I met him a couple of times, just as gracious as nice can be. And all I ask our followers is to really love your comics. These guys really perform. It's a tough go. You don't think so. Grab a mic and try it. It is an amazing uh, talent to go out there and make people laugh. And for Keith to go overseas, to share his talents with other people, uh, it's his passion. And to be in such one of the great movies, The Hangover in our generation, funniest movies that, that has made so many people happy. Just a great career so far. And there's, I think there's a lot left in the tank. There's a lot going on for him. And we're going to really yeah. promote him. So if you uh, love us, you love him. Because we really have become a fan of Keith. And uh, uh, we so appreciate you being on our show. Oh, the pleasure's mine. And thank you so much. And uh, thanks to your fans, too. It's been uh, it's great talking to you. And uh, yeah, 
I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate Thank you. you. Thank so you much. so much. And we'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Take care. Bye, Keith. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Keith Lyle, ladies and gentlemen. I told you this was going to be a great show. You always have to listen to your brother, Jim. Uh, Fantastic. I cannot wait to edit this and to bring this out on Monday, post-Mother's Day. So we're excited to do this. Great guest. uh, Amazing stories. Oh, I loved it. Amazing stories. This is going to be a big one with all the great names involved. Keith has done it all. And... uh, We really support good people, and we really believe in him. Uh, As I've said before, Florence gives me a ton of people, and I look at a ton of people, and we reject so many people. Not that we're so great or anything, but we really want people to succeed. And so many people, look at all the sales. Look at all the things that are going on. Uh, MacGyver just got uh, renewed with uh, the car. Oh, Michael yes. R with Murdoch, and he's going to be on it. So yeah, shout out to Michael. Oh, <clears> there's, so a mo- there's a mojo about our show where people go on it and lucky things happen. And I'm telling you, I think it's because of the support of you that give to us, that you give to our guests. And this is so serious. Like I said, please support us. Please support the guests. We promise to give you the best of the best. And I'm so appreciative of all you've done. But I, the sky is just in three months we started this and look how big it's gotten. So it's we're very humbled at the success. And now we're working harder than ever. So Florence, yeah. you did such a great job. You carried me as 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 you usually do. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> job. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, again, I'm going to put this out Monday. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers out there yeah. up in heaven or down here. Uh, and uh, we want to just appreciate everybody's mother and thank you all. And uh, wow, I'll let you end it, Florence. Yes, thank you all so much. And we are truly appreciative of of all all that's happened, of you guys, the listeners, our guests, just the whole thing. And the last three months has been really just so special and so rewarding. And sometimes I still can't believe it. Sometimes I still can't believe it, you know. One minute I was going about my life and then the next minute, you know, talking to Ella DeGeneres and, you know, meeting Michael DeBar and having these amazing people on our show. And it just, sometimes it just blows my mind (laughs) that this has all happened. But thank you, Jim. I have to thank you. Um, Because without you, none of this would have been possible. So again, I just, I just have so much gratitude, but um, have a great weekend, everyone. A great week ahead when this comes out on Monday. And thank you all so, so much. And remember, Courtney, next week is Alaska week. We have Courtney. And we are going to blow the roof. Uh, Thousands of people saw the interview with Stan and with their movie that's coming out. They're filming it now. So Stan is blowing up. We helped get uh, the money needed to do the movie. So it's... Like I said, you come on our show, there's a mojo, a confidence. We want people to succeed, and we're so happy. So take care. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.